You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn to the book of John, and we will be in John 3.16 this morning. The third chapter of the book of John. And Lord willing, this will be our final message in this series on John 3.16. Of course, this is our fifth Sunday of preaching on John 3.16. And I assure you, we have not uh, gone as in-depth as we could go into John 3.16. And so, but we will once again look at, uh, we've been kind of dividing the verse up, looking at some truths. We begin by looking at the beginning of the verse, for God so loved the world, and we begin by looking at the global aspect of the love of God. God's love is a global love. I'm glad God's love is not just restricted to a uh, a few people or a certain region. Uh, I'm glad that God's love is a global love. And so God's love is a global love for God so loved the world, uh, but God's love is also uh, the gospel. In other words, the gospel means good news. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That is good news. That He loved us that much and He loves us that much that He would give His only begotten Son. And one thing's for sure, uh, folks, true love, true love, you mark this down, whether it's in marriage or whatever it may be, true love is sacrifice. True love is sacrifice. True love is commitment. True love is not just a, uh, just, just a nice little emotion. True love is real. True love has a meaning and it has depth to it. And so, for God so loved the world, and then also it is grace. Uh, it's, it's grace. In other words, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him... And folks, I'm glad we discovered last week that that whosoever in John 3.16 is the same whosoever throughout the New Testament, throughout the Word of God, and whosoever means anyone. It means you, and it means me. For God so loved the world, and by the way, when God says world right there, it, that deals with it on an individual basis. It's uh, not just uh, collect. He does love the world collectively, but He loves each individual. He loved each individual so much, each one of you so much, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him. And so, when we consider this, I say that because there's some that, that there's, a, there's a growing and a swelling uh, belief today that goes opposite of this very clear teaching in God's Word that He loved the world that whosoever uh, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I'm glad it is indeed a whosoever will. Amen. Uh, so that is wonderful, wonderful news because it's not just a chosen few. Uh, God, God, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And tonight and this morning we're going to talk about the gift of salvation, the gift of John 3.16, but have everlasting life. And I like this, uh, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And again, I've already said it, but it is not God's will for anyone to perish. We, we come to the motive. The motive is that God loves us. But why did He need to come do what He did? He needed to do that because the Bible says that we were all born into sin. And all men were born into sin. All men chose to sin uh, as soon as we had a chance to do it. 
And so, as a result of that, we are sinners. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The price for sin. What is earned from sin is death. And folks, uh, we are very well acquainted with physical death, but it's talking about more than just death. That's why the Bible says here, should not perish. And as we're going to see in just a moment, that word perish does not mean annihilation. It does not mean merely the end of human life. But folks, there's a stronger connotation and it, it, it goes to a message that was preached many times by the Lord Jesus Christ while He walked this earth and it's a place called hell. The wages of sin is physical death, but it is also spiritual death. Death is separation. Physical death is when the, when the soul is separated from the body. Uh, death, our, our loved ones are separated from us. And then spiritual death is the separation from God for all eternity. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I'm glad as when we think about the love of God, there's good news. Amen. Because John 3.16 gives us the breadth, the length, and the depths of God's love, as well as the height of God's love. Four dimensions. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It's amazing when you consider John 3.16 that it begins with eternity and it ends with eternity. It begins in eternity in the sense that it begins with the eternal being. God. For God so loved the world. Uh, and then it ends with everlasting life. Everlasting, eternal life. And so eternity today is impossible for us to fathom. Because every one of us are finite beings. Everything that we know has had a beginning and has an end as far as that we are acquainted with in this world. But eternity, folks, uh, is, is forever. Eternity is not a million years. Eternity is not a billion years. Eternity is without time. It is just on and on. It is forever. Because here's the thing. God is an eternal being and He's created us to be eternal beings. Now wait a minute. We, you just said that we're all going to die. We are all physically going to die. But I'm telling you, there's a part of us uh, that will live on forever somewhere. And so since we are e eternal beings, the question is not really if you are going to be in existence, if you will live for all eternity. The question is where will you be for all eternity? Where will you be for all eternity? Now, there was a time for us, unlike God, there was a time for us when we did not exist. There was a time when we did not exist. But I'm telling you, there will never cease to be a moment that we don't exist. There was a time when we didn't, but for, for eternity, we will exist. You had a beginning, but you will have no end. So when we think about this, all mankind, all men, women, boys and girls, everyone under the sound of my voice today will live forever. It's not an if, it's a where. Alright, so but if, if you look real quickly in this verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. God does not want anybody to perish. Should not uh, we, I could look at every person and say, you should not perish. Amen? It is not God's will for your life. I should not perish. But consider this word perish with me just for a moment. Again, it does not mean annihilation. It does not mean the end of physical existence. But it carries the concept of ruin or destruction. In Luke 15, the verb, the Greek verb is translated eight times as lost. 
And Luke 15 is familiar to some of you. It speaks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. This word describes our eternal plunge into a literal hell. The noun form describes an everlasting state of torment and living death. If you read Luke 16, verse 19, you read about the rich man and Lazarus. And you find out that this word literally, as you studied in Luke 16, it carries the smell of fire and brimstone and torment on it as well. If you look closely, you can see the worms crawling and the decay having no end. If you listen carefully, you can hear the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. That is what uh, awaits in a place called hell. A place that folks perish. Of the twelve times in the New Testament, there's a word used for hell, Gehenna. For the twelve times that word hell is used in the New Testament, eleven of those are from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. As a matter of fact, at least 13% of all of Jesus' teaching had to do with judgment and hell. And it's also a fact that Jesus preached more about hell than He preached about heaven. See, Jesus, you couldn't have a more loving and a tender heart. May I remind you that He came to give His life on the cross to save us from our sin. So preaching on hell today is not, an, uh, is, is not a, uh, a mean thing to do. It is not a cold-hearted thing to do. Uh, you know, there's some today that scoff at the idea. There's, there's some that will promise you if you come to our church, I can assure you, you will not hear hell unless it's us cussing to make you feel comfortable. But Jesus preached on hell. And folks, He was loving. See, it's not, it's not that Jesus was loving and had a tender heart, but He preached on hell. It's that Jesus was loving, did have a tender heart, loved people literally to death, and therefore, He preaches on hell. You know why? Because He doesn't want people to go there. It's a warning today. And it's a warning from God's Word. It's a warning from the New Testament. It's a warning that we need to be reminded of still this day. Jesus preached on judgment. Jesus preached on hell. Uh, and He spoke more about this eternal place of agony than all the other uh, writers in the Bible. The Bible describes hell, Gehenna, that word that was used for hell in that context, Gehenna was literally a garbage dump. It's not a pretty picture. Gehenna was literally a valley outside of the city to where trash and refuse and stuff would be brought. And it was a continual fire burning. And so they would just add to this uh, pile and it would just continue to burn and it would continue to burn. And it's a place that was always burning. And so it was a, th it was a picture that was used for a literal fiery burning hell and more for the lake of fire, which is truly the eternal state of hell, but it was the valley that ran southwest of the city wall. The fires that kept the pile, uh, pile going were endless. The stench of decay was ever present. And so it was not a pleasant place whatsoever. And folks, it, it reminds me, you know, you know, I've heard people and you have too that say, well, I believe that hell is this life. Friend, this life is as good as it's ever going to get. You say, my life is miserable. This life is as good as it's going to get. As far, if, you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you, it's not getting any better in eternity. Hell is truly a terrible place. The Old Testament uh, place literally was where they would offer child sacrifices to the God of Moloch. 
Hell is also described in the Bible as a prison, as an asylum, as for the spiritually corrupt and for the damned. Just think about it for a moment. I mean, when we think about hell, I know it's hard for us to get our minds around. It's hard for us to get our minds around eternity. It's hard for us to get our minds around a place called hell. But you know, at the same time, there's a sense in all of our hearts that cries out for a measure of justice, is there not? You know, within all of our hearts, within the most bleeding heart, I think that there is a cry for justice when we think about the the Hitlers of the world and the Stalins of the world. When we think about the child murderers and human traffickers and these evil people that do so much harm and we wonder, how were they able to get by? Why is there no repercussion? Why is there no consequences seemingly for their action? Why do the wicked prosper? Uh, Why do these things go on? I'm telling you, there's a cry in our hearts even. There's just a sense that where we know these things should be judged. Beloved, I tell you, these things will be judged. These things will be judged. These sins will be judged. And I do want to add this right in here as well to be very, very clear about this. Whatever sins you've ever committed, those sins will be judged. Or those sins also, let me tell you something, have been judged. Because Jesus took those sins upon Himself. The vilest sins. The worst that anyone has ever done. The worst that anyone has ever conceived of. When Jesus went to the cross, He bore the sins of Hitler. And of Mao. And of, you know, you, you name whoever it may be, the mass murderers. He, he bore the sins of, of, of the abortionists. He bore the sins of these people. He carried every bit of that upon Himself. So that if they will just simply... He's purchased the gift of salvation for them, whosoever will. Amen. He loves them. Amen. And that's why we got to be real clear and careful in our message. And especially when we get into this climate and we begin to talk about abortion in the day and age in which we live. There's not much more of a vile practice within the United States of America than that of abortion. But I tell you, one thing that we want to make sure that we have is a tender heart toward women that have had abortions. We want to have a tender, loving heart toward them people. Amen? Toward those girls, toward those women. We have no judgmental spirit toward them at all. Is it wrong? Absolutely it's wrong. But our our love for them, we need to be willing to reach those people. Amen? We need to be willing to try to make a difference in their lives. And so when we take our strong stands against abortion, which we, by God's grace, we will... I mean, my goodness, I mean, the basic, uh, the basic human right of life, and especially those that have no defense whatsoever outside of love... Um, but at the same time, we just want to make sure that we don't throw out the, the, the people that have been hurt through this industry uh, with the rest of them. So we always try to be careful with that. But the fact of the matter is, the good news is, is Jesus has carried and bore all these sins. But there's a sense that every one of us have that sin has consequences. And, there, and, and that is true. And for anyone... Anyone who was willing to turn to Christ, they can have their sins forgiven because Jesus already carried their sins. Jesus loved them enough to carry their hatred. Jesus loved them enough to carry and bear upon Himself, I mean, uh, the the, the vileness and the abominable sins that exist in the world. He carried every one of those sins upon Himself. That's why He died on the cross. That's why He shed His blood. But I want to tell you today that if they refuse that offer, they will be answered for. They must be answered for. I believe it's logical as well as scriptural. 
But when you think about this, I want to say this today. The wonder that Jesus did carry all of our sins. The wonder of wonders that thrills my soul this morning is that Jesse Haley could be saved by the grace of God. That I could be saved. That I could be forgiven. Why? Because He bore my sins. Folks, I deserve hell. Mankind deserves hell because of our sin. But I want you to know something today. Jesus bore my sin. Amen? Hallelujah. Why? Because He loved me. And I'm glad there's not a person I can't look at today and not tell them, for God so loved the world. God loves you. Amen? He loved you. He paid the price for your sin. He carried your sin upon Himself. Oh, my friend, that somebody like me that deserved hell just as much as anybody's ever deserved hell could be transformed by grace through faith into a child of God. I mean, that I could stand here today. Listen, I'm just a sinner telling other, other sinners how to be saved. Amen? I'm just somebody up here trying to tell. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a starving man that found bread and is trying to offer it to somebody else. Amen? I mean, that's all I am. It reminds me, and uh, many of you have heard the, the story before, but I just am reminded of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, the, the bridge years ago was washed out down in uh, Mississippi. And there was a, a great flooding and an old bridge washed out and there was a man going down this road and it was still raining. And, and he came up on the, where the bridge would have been and as he, uh, he was able to bail out right in time as his car careened uh, down into this, uh, you know, the, uh, the, this uh, bottom, it wasn't bottomless, you know, but this deep uh, the ravine where he would have surely died. But he made it out just in time. He drug himself up out of the dirt and out of the mud. And the first thing he does is he, he's, think, he, he's, he's catching his breath and he's like, oh, thank you, Lord, that I didn't, uh, that I made it. Thank you, Lord, that I got out. Thank you, Lord, that I was saved from this. But then something else come to his mind. There might be other people coming down this road. And so he drags himself up and he gets out to the road and he tries to get a ways up from where the bridge is out. And he begins, he begins to wave his hands. He, he sees a car uh, uh, coming. He sees headlights coming. And, and as the car gets closer, he's trying to get out on the road. And man, he's, he's a muddy and wet mess. He looks like a madman. But he's out there screaming and waving his hands and crying and trying to get, some, get their attention. Stop! Stop! There's destruction ahead. The bridge is ahead. But the car keeps coming and the car just slows down enough but they will not stop. And he's looking in the car and there's a mother driving this car. And there's a mother with two or three kids in the car with her. But she just looks at this man and he just looks like a madman. He just looks like a crazy person. And so she keeps on going and off and down into that ravine they go and they perish down in that ravine. But he does everything he can to get caught. That's all I am today. I'm a man that narrowly escaped. Amen. I'm dropping off into a place called hell and now I'm just somebody up here. I might look crazy. Amen. I might sound like a fool. But I'm telling you today there's destruction on the road you're traveling down. But hallelujah, there's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. He can. He will forgive. He loves you like crazy. He wants to save you. He's already bore your sins. He wants to forgive your sins. He's already purchased the gift of salvation. He wants to offer you the gift of salvation today. I heard years ago 
about a rancher out in western South Dakota. And man, he was uh, riding along on his horse. His horse was spooked by a snake. And man, he was just right at this big draw. And that horse bucked. And, and off this rancher went, right before he went off the edge, he grabbed hold of a root. And there he hung, clinging uh, to that root and just, just barely sticking out of the ground. And pretty soon he heard a voice above him. And he, and he calls out his name. And he says, just let go. If you just let go, I'll save you. If you just let go, I'll help you. And he says, who's that speaking? He says, this is the Lord speaking to you. Just let go. And the rancher looks up and says, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) Is that not how people are today? Is there anyone else? Is there anything else? Folks, I'm telling you, there's nothing else that saves. Should not perish. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad today that putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ means that you cannot, will not, glory to God, hallelujah, go to hell. See, I'm not up here as some some great person today. I'm up here as a sinner that's been saved. Amen? I'm up here as somebody that's been forgiven. I'm up here today as somebody that God has washed away my sins, that God has made a new creature. But let me tell you something. He's working on me. I've still got a lot lot of rough edges, but He's working on me. I'm not somebody that's arrived. I'm just somebody that's been saved. Amen? I'm somebody that's been forgiven. I am not better than the worst person you know. I'm not better than the worst person you know. I'm just a little better off. Amen? Or you could say a lot better off. Why? Because my sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. And you got to forgive me because it reminds me, I don't know where all these stories are coming from, but, uh, but true story this morning, true story, I, I read about this man that was on a, on a ship going between the Philippine Islands. And, and if you know anything about some of these ships, man, uh, they were just going from island to island. And there was about 250 uh, people too many upon this ship. And it ended up capsizing in the middle of the night. They weren't even able to get a distress signal out. It wasn't until the ship didn't arrive at the other island that they sent out rescue boats. And this man, he was I believe he was from England. This man and his wife were out in this water. And he said through the night, there were shark infested waters. People were drowning. People were being attacked by sharks. True story. And He said, finally, that next morning, he said, that rescue boat comes along. They throw out a lifeline. And now this man was wore out. He had been out in that water all night. But folks, when he got brought up on the deck of that ship, he literally said he took laps around that ship. And who could blame him? Amen? Why? Because he was saved. I mean, he just about perished that night. So you got to excuse me this morning if I look a little happy, amen? And if I get a little excited, amen? And uh, I mean, listen, why? Because I'm saved, amen? I was on my way to a place called hell and I deserve to go there, but Jesus passed by my way, hallelujah. And so just uh, let me be beside myself for a moment. Lift my hands up to heaven and say thank you, Lord. And, and, And I'm excited about that and I'm excited that I can tell somebody else that. I'm excited that if you don't know the Lord today, you can know the Lord today. I'm excited that you can know the peace and the joy that, it, that comes with knowing Christ. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah! If I wasn't so dignified, I'd probably jump up and down. Amen! Listen, I'm glad I'm saved, aren't you? Yeah. Man, and so listen, so saved should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the tense of the word perish right there carries the idea of perishing. It's an interesting concept because what the Bible teaches, it's a sad verse over in Matthew 25, verse 46. Jesus said, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, those that aren't saved, but the righteous, but the righteous into eternal life. 
eternal, everlasting. But here's one of the interesting things when you look at the word eternal and everlasting. They carry the idea of right now. Listen, when I accepted Christ uh, on October 10th, 1992, folks, I began eternal life that day. But let me tell you something. Up until that point, you want to know something? I was perishing. I was on that road. So the idea behind perish, it talks about the road that you're on. The idea behind eternal life talks about the road. I'm not waiting to inherit eternal life. The moment that I accepted Christ, I had eternal life. Life has got one gear, and that is forward. There's no reverse. We're all going forward in this life. We're all getting closer and closer to the death of our physical body and our entrance into forever. And the Bible is clear, there's no second chances in eternity. There's no do-overs once you've arrived in eternity. We have one opportunity. Listen to me. We have one opportunity to choose our eternal destiny, and that is right now. The Bible says now is the accepting time. But the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. See, you can't do it. Uh, you, You didn't do it yesterday, so that opportunity has passed. You can't do it tomorrow because tomorrow might not come for any of us. You can only decide today. Now I understand you. So are you saying I don't have tomorrow? I understand. Maybe you do, but we're not guaranteed that. What, what I can guarantee you is you have now. Amen. Boy, I can remember. Anybody else, anybody else have that feeling when they were getting saved? And right, right before you trusted the Lord as your Savior and you thought to yourself, you know what, I might just wait. Yeah. Amen. I think I'll wait till next week. I think I'll wait. I, man, it breaks my heart. I can still remember uh, witnessing to a friend of mine in school. Telling her about Christ. And man, you could see the Lord was working on her. Amen. Uh, the Lord was working on her. And, and by the way, that's what happens. Amen. The Spirit of God. See, I'm not just a man up here preaching today. I am a man up here preaching. But it's what I'm preaching. I'm preaching to you the eternal Word of God and the eternal words of God. And as I preach the eternal words of God, the eternal Spirit of God works in hearts. And in lives. See, I can only speak to you on an intellectual basis, I suppose. But the Holy Spirit of God, He's the one that speaks to the heart. He's the one that gets down deep in there and speaks to you to where I could never speak to you. But you know why? Because He loves you. Amen? He loves you and He wants to save you. But the Lord was working on this friend of mine's heart. And finally she looked at me and she said, uh, she, uh, she said you know, I think I want to have some fun first. We were in high school. I think I want to have some fun first. Oh, my friend, you know what? That's what she decided she was going to do is go have some fun. But I tell you, I have a hard time believing she's having any more fun than what I'm having right now. I'll be honest with you. I mean, listen, I did not cash in my fun card when I got saved. Amen. I mean, I just found out what real joy really was. Amen. I really did. I mean, praise the Lord for that. I mean, I did not die when I got saved. Amen. I just started living. Hallelujah. Amen. And let me tell you something. It's getting better and better. See, the devil, he'll give you the best up front. The best comes up front. But I'm telling you, it goes down from there. That high comes up front. I mean, listen, uh, yeah, you may have a, a brief little period of time that looks like the beer commercials or something, you know. 
But I'm telling you, I wish to goodness they'd start making beer commercials and start showing a bunch of uh, overweight people that are unwilling to buy groceries for their families. And I wish they would show uh, the, the results of, uh, of, of people that have been killed in drunk driving accidents. I wish they would show, that, listen, that well over 50% of people that are in uh, prison today were uh, uh, drinking alcohol when they committed those crimes. Uh, the, you, you look at uh, rape, molestation, violent crimes. You look at the number of people that were on, uh, were drinking alcohol. I'm not talking about any other drugs. Alcohol when they were doing these things. They don't put that on the commercials. Why? Because the devil gives his best up front. Oh man, it's so much fun. And it is fun for a while what you remember of it. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, not, always, it's not fun, brother, when you're face down in a ditch in a wreck with vomit all over yourself and blood dragging yourself up trying to figure out what happened and why you're responsible for these lives that are around you. It's not fun then. It's not fun when your marriage is broken up. It's not fun when you're in prison. It's not fun then. See, but that, see the devil, I've said it a hundred times, but the devil doesn't have happy, happy old people. The devil doesn't have happy old people. Amen. But God does. Why? Because I want to tell you something. And it wasn't that God doesn't give His best up front. I would take... Man, I want to tell you something. Uh, when I got saved by the Lord Jesus... Uh, listen. I got saved and uh, I, I was into drugs, man. I loved to party. I loved to get high. I just thought that was such a blast. And it was for a while. But I'm telling you, there's always a bad side. There's always a downside. There was, a, there was always a time to where, I'm, where I come down and I would think to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than this. And so I'd just try some harder drug. But I'm telling you, it didn't work. I mean, it worked. It seemed like it worked. But I'd come down again. But I want you to know something. On that night that I asked Jesus to save my soul, when He come in, see, Jesus said something. He said, I've come to give them life. Amen. I've come that they might have life and I've come that they might have it more abundantly. See, God gives the abundant life. And it's not an easy life all the time, but it's an abundant life. And folks, the joy that I felt then, the joy I still feel today, it's just getting better. It's just getting better. It was great that night. Amen. But it's just getting better. I told y'all years ago, and I know I've already, already lost some of you, so I'm going to quit trying on this, but I just got to say, glory to God, I'm glad I'm saved. Amen? Because just bear with me for a moment, because here's what I want to tell you. I remember when the man told me, when I first got saved by God's grace, the first time I just got real excited about it and was just shouting and praising the Lord about it. He said, well, I don't know. You know, I, well, you know I, well, our church teaches against that. Your church needs to study the Bible a little bit more. Amen? Amen. Yeah. That's right. So, but he told me, he's like, well, I've just been saved for months at this time. You just enjoy it. You, you enjoy that now because all those good feelings and all that stuff. And he's kind of right about the feelings, but it's not about feelings. It's about faith. He's like, yeah, pretty soon, you know, it won't be like that anymore. And I told you this, I didn't know any better. So I just thought to myself, well, as long as it feels good, as long as it's like this, I'm going to enjoy it. Let me tell you something, it's been 28, I don't know how many years, 1992, 27 years. Uh, that, that, and I, it's, it's, I ain't got over it yet, amen? I'm still excited. It's still wonderful. Amen, let me get back to my notes, amen. All right, listen, God saves, amen. It's wonderful to be saved by the grace of God. We're on our way, but I'm glad that you can be on your way to a place called heaven. Oh, my friend, listen. You do not have to perish. You can be saved. I want to tell you something else about hell. I've often heard people say, 
I can't believe that a loving God, you tell me this God's a loving God, would send anyone to hell. People are convinced that their logic is sound and that their conclusion is righteous. But here's, here's something I would say to that. You're right. You're right. It's not that a loving God is sending anyone to hell. Matter of fact, the Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. The place he created for you with you in mind is a place called heaven. But here's the thing. For you to have to go to hell, you have to choose to go there. You have to choose to go there. You have to step over the prayers of your family. You have to ignore the testimony of every believer you've ever met. You have to discount every sermon and Sunday school lesson you've ever heard. Most significantly, you have to walk over the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are determined to go to hell, God will allow it. God will allow it. If you get to hell, it's because you wanted, you decided to reject the only hope and the loving hope, the great hope that's offered to mankind. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's not God's will for any to perish, but that everyone, everywhere, be saved through the shed blood of Christ. God is looking at you today and His heart is crying out. His hand is outstretched. And He's saying, I do not want you to go to that place. Anybody know the oldest man to ever live in the Bible? Methuselah. Did you know there's a significance behind Methuselah being the oldest man that ever lived? Did you know that Methuselah's name literally means upon his death it will come? What is it? It is the judgment that God promised before Noah, but to Noah, Noah preached for 120 years that judgment was coming. Upon his death it will come. So when Methuselah dies, the judgment starts. God let that man live longer than anybody else that's ever lived. Why? Because he gave an extension. He tried everything he can. He gives an opportunity to be saved. But at the end, contrary to what some people would say, God will not force you to be saved. If you are determined to go to hell, if you're determined to go your own way, if you're determined to continue holding on to sin... A woman in Nebraska was caught in a swiftly moving flood. She held onto a tree for dear life. Thankfully for her, she was spotted by a rescue helicopter. Bravely and precariously jumps out the safety worker. Out of the safety of that shop, that, that helicopter, he's lowered down to the woman. And with a stretched out hand, he goes down to where the woman holds onto a tree. In the middle of these floodwaters, what has become the middle of a, a rapid river. But to his dismay, she refuses to let go of the tree. He desperately tries to explain to her that the tree will not withstand the rapid and rising waters for much longer. But in vain. Partly out of fear. Partly with a misplaced trust. She clings to something that feels so solid, but it's doomed to fail. Just then, the tree is uprooted by the waters. 
And as it steadily begins to lean into the flood, she, she reaches out her hand. But it's too late. She's lost. Swept away in terror. For a few brief moments, you can see her fighting above the surface of the water. But then soon enough, she's overcome and swept away from everything that she has ever loved. Life, laughter, her loved ones. She will never know any of these things again. Her body is never recovered. And to think, someone made an effort. Someone took their lives into their own hands to save this woman. To think all she had to do was to let go and to take a hold of this stretched out hand. Some may try to blame the rescue worker, but he did all that he could. He put his life in jeopardy. He got as close as he could have. He reached out. But alas, the woman had the final decision. See, Jesus didn't just risk His life. He gave His life. He, he has come. Not only did He come to earth then, but I would say, in a sense, He comes to every man today. And He reaches out His hand once again. And I'm telling you what He's doing in this, in this service today is He's reaching out His hand once again. And He's giving you the opportunity if you'll just reach out, but there you are, and you cling. And maybe it's partly because of fear. What will people think? The unknown. What does it mean to trust Christ? But maybe it's because of fear, but let me tell you something. He's not lost one yet. Amen? Let go of your pride. Let go of your religion. Because that's what other people are holding on to. It's their pride. What will people think? Oh, look at that preacher up there. He's so uncouth. He's so uh, uh, undignified and everything. I don't want to be like that. Oh, my friend, don't forget about any of that. Think about one thing. You need Christ. There's a God in heaven that loves you and that He'll save you today. People are clinging. What are you clinging to today? Let go of it. It can be scary. But let go. Trust Him. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Oh, my friend, you don't have to trust me today, but you can trust the Word of God. You can trust what He said. See, mankind is perishing and God is grieving, but He's also working. He sent godly men and women to be praying for you today. He has sent, he has sent the, the people that's come to sing to sing. I mean, listen, He's orchestrated your life so that you would be here today to hear this message of hope. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident, perhaps, even that you'd be that those that would be listening over podcast. It's no accident. It is the will of God. It is the hand of God. It is the sovereignty of God. Most significantly, His Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, trying to convince you of the truth and the trustworthiness of the message that you hear today. Oh, my friend, today, would you, as we look at this, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's all stand. But have everlasting life. That little word, but, this, your, your eternity hinges on that. The destiny of mankind hinges on that. Today could be the day you could say, you know what, I was trusting in my religion. 
I was trusting. You know what? I was too proud. But, but I responded to the Lord. But, Jesus, all the way from heaven, all the way to the cross, and I want to say something, all the way right here today, holds out His hand, stretches it out to you. Don't be like that woman who was unwilling to let go. Just let go today. Just take that first step. Just humble yourself before God this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. From your heart, if you can crowd a message like that, if you, if you could say, you know what, I'm no longer trusting in my baptism. I'm no longer trusting in my church. I'm no longer trusting in my good, goodness. Lord Jesus, I want you today. I want you today. Or do you just want to keep hanging on to sin? Do you want to keep hanging on to pride? What will you do today? As Miss Sonia comes to play, this altar's open. Has God spoken to your heart today? Do you realize today that you need to be saved? Do you realize today that you need Him? If so, would you come to Him today? Oh, what would people think? I'll tell you what the people around here would think. We would think, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's a God in heaven that loves you today. Yes. And if you feel Him tugging at your heart, He will not drag you. He will, he will not force you. But if you feel Him tugging at your heart today, speaking so softly to your heart, it's not me talking to your heart. It's God. Would you willingly humble yourself? Maybe you'd want to come bow down up here up before the altar and humble yourself. Maybe you'd bow your head right where you are today and admit to the Lord that you're a sinner. Cry out to Him from your heart. From your heart Lord, please save me. See, the work of conviction, the word conviction carries the idea of a convincing. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you of your need. Once He convinces you, it's your job to say, okay, Lord, I believe. I follow You. I trust You. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord. I thank You so much for the day You saved my soul. Oh, Lord. I don't know what else I could do today, Lord. If I knew, I would do it. I'll beg. I'll plead. But at the end of the day, it's up to each individual and I pray that all it will take is just a look at the cross, a look at your great love for them, for them to be able to humble themselves and say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my Savior. Lord, they'll never regret it. They'll never regret it. Lord, help them, God. Help anyone here today that's not saved. Anyone listening, God, help them to accept you before it's too late. For those of us that are saved, dear God, would you please help us to warn others. God, help our hearts to break for those that we know that are perishing. Help us to reach them with your grace.